Welcome to the Pop Culture Pub Podcast. Now let's begin. Hello, fellow podcast listener, and welcome to Trek 1701, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, my name is Chris Lockhart, and joining me is uh, one of my co-hosts from Trek 1701, uh, Ragnar. How's it going, Ragnar? Well, hello, it's uh, going quite well, everyone. And we have a special guest this evening, uh, one of Ragnar's good buddies, uh, Mr. Uh, Jess Willard. How's it going, Jess? Good, how's everybody doing? Good, good. Um, so, Jess, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, uh, obviously, you're you're a Star Trek guy, but uh, tell us your 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 Star Trek origin story. My Star Trek origin story. Well, Ragnar and I go way back. We do uh, we're vendors at the uh, uh, the Comic Cons and the, oh, yeah. the conventions around Canada. So, on my side of things, I own a company called ZoltanGal.com, so we do online sales and convention sales for kind of trendy, geeky, pop culture, horror collectibles, that kind of thing. Excellent. Um, would, love to sell more, would love to sell more Star Trek stuff, but they're not making very much of it lately. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I grew up uh, watching reruns of the original series, uh, did The Next Generation from, yeah, Farpoint, went on live, ugh. Um, all the way up to, you know, surviving the summer between Best of Both Worlds Part 1 and 2, which was mm. brutal and long. Yep. Uh, DS9, Voyager, Enterprise, you know, and old school stuff like the 70s Battlestar Galactica, the 80s V-Series, Aliens. Nice. So my, 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 uh, my Star Trek lore is, you know, old school, retro. That's kind of my, my thing. Excellent. That's why we get along so well, because we like all the same franchises. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think we despise the ones that uh, we we despise together. Uh, yeah, for the most part. It's, yep. it's pretty few and far between that we're on a different, completely different page. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, Chris, um, Jess also has sold at Vulcan uh, oh. at least once, maybe more than that. Nice. Oh, yeah, probably three or four times. So I've, I've probably seen you before, but, uh, um, yeah, because I go to Volcon and, and Calgary uh, frequently. I haven't, been, I haven't been to Calgary. 2018 is the last time I went to Calgary. So it's been a few years. Wow, okay. Yeah, definitely. But nope. uh, one, of my, one of my favorite things was uh, meeting the Next Generation cast that one year. So yeah. Oh, sorry. I meant to say Vulcan. I haven't been to Vulcan since 2018. I, I was just at Calgary oh. this year. Oh. But yes, yeah, I, like I, you were at you were at Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I was at I, I uh 2012 the TNG reunion. Yeah, I I was there as well. Yep. Yeah. yep. We got the full cast photo done up with me and my wife, and then had everybody sign it. And nice. It's probably the most expensive single piece of item in my house. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I. I I wish I would have got that done. It was expensive at the time, but it was definitely worth it. Yeah, because I, I like I got individual pictures. Like I got one with Patrick Stewart and Gates McFadden, Brent Spiner, 
I got Worf's autograph, I got Troy's autograph, I got Tasha's autograph. I was thinking at the end of it, oh, I got a photo up with Will Wheaton too. I was thinking at the end of it, I should have just pulled the trigger on the whole group photo. It would have saved me so much time. For the amount I spent, <laughs> I probably could have paid for it. Well, I had to go back to work at the booth, so it made sense to drop the thousand bucks and just get back to work, right? Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah um, that, that's an ex that's an expensive picture to hang on the wall. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, before like before we delve into uh, the meat and potatoes of tonight's episode, um, so Jess, you're from Calgary itself, right? Like you're in the city yep. of Calgary. Yep, born, yeah. raised, lived, will probably pass away in. Excellent. <laughs> it's a good city, you know. I'm not big on the sports teams, but, you know, it's a good city. I love Calgary. Um, yep. And, and Ragnar's in Saskatoon, and I'm uh, about an hour north of Edmonton. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're all a bunch of Canucks on this episode. Well, normally we're Canucks uh, on every episode, Trek 1701, but uh, just yeah, one. Our, to our token American doesn't really like Star Trek much. Yeah, our, uh, yeah, our American guy. Um, he's a he's a comic book nerd. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, thought he, I thought he'd be a Star Wars guy. Oh, uh, I think he likes Star Wars. Yeah, he's he's more it's of a. We don't talk about. Yeah, he's more of a wrestling guy. Like that's his number one passion, I think. Um, ah yes, but. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to establish that, uh, you know, we're Canadians on, on this episode. Um, so uh, going forward uh, for the next, my next question to you guys is, um, what are your thoughts on uh, the first couple seasons of Star Trek Picard? Because we're talking about season three tonight, but what are Jess, what, what are your thoughts on uh, season one and two? Did you Did you like them or did you not like them? Uh, there's aspects that I liked and there's aspects I didn't like. Mm -hmm. So call me a mixed pot for seasons one and two. Um, I like the, the writing aspect of things. It had some intriguing bits and pieces to it. Yeah. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, the, it didn't tie in very much to what laid in the past. You know, it, it pretty much went over the idea of everybody's gotten old. Yeah. Dad, Data's dead. Positronic Picard is here. Wheaton at the end, oh yeah, definitely, definitely, but yeah, um, it just, I watched it for the sake of, you know, I'm a TNG fan since it aired live back in the 80s, so I felt compelled to watch it, and I watched it from start to finish every week, Yeah. Um, but uh, there's just something missing. Yeah, I, I, I agree, like, I wasn't a big fan of season two, I kind of dropped out, to be honest with you, um... But season one, I, I thought, like, it really began on a... Like, it, it, it was interesting. The first couple episodes of season one, I was like, huh, you know, like, what's going on with the Borg Cube? What's the Romulan angle? Mm -hmm. I, I You know, I, I'm not a fan of the J.J. Abrams movies, but I like the fact that they acknowledged, you know, the destruction of Romulus and, you know, the ramifications of all that, you know, going forward. But, yeah, yeah I just... I don't know. I, I felt season one and season two, uh, like Patrick Stewart, his mandate, because he is a producer on, on the show, 
he said he didn't want he didn't want no no bridge and no uniforms. Like he didn't want it to be he didn't want it want it to be a TNG reunion. And I so think in other words, it was like it was like a certain it was like Tom Welling in Smallville. He did not want to be seen war, wearing the cape. He yeah. just wanted to have the audience remember that the cape actually existed. Just don't look behind the scenes. Yeah, like like yeah, his mantra was uh, no flight, no tights. And that's kind of yeah. what what <laughs> Picard was. No, seriously, that was yep. Right. Yeah, that's what he that's what he told him. But um yeah. yeah, so Ragnar, what are your thoughts on season 1 too? I I'm pretty sure I know, but yeah. <laughs> I I was not a huge fan of seasons 1 and 2. Um, I, in fact, I didn't even watch season two. I'll be honest here. I only watched season one. Yeah. Um, what I, one of the things I didn't like was that I wouldn't go so far as to say Star Trek has always been utopian, but it's never really been dystopian. Yeah. Um, ES9 definitely has dystopian elements. Mm-hmm. But they're presented more as a threat to things than the way things actually are. Yeah. And I found in Picard it was like, oh no, the future is super dystopian. The Federation is almost evil. And I really didn't like that. And then I, I also, and I, and I know it's because like Star Trek is known for mirroring what's going on in society. And mm-hmm. so I, I know that the writers, you know, especially under Donald Trump's reign, probably felt that, yeah, this is this is our reality and the world is headed in that direction now. So we're going to make Star Trek mirror that. And I would have just loved it if they just made it mirror the the universe that we already know, just for, you know, however many years in the future of that universe. So that bothered me. I was also annoyed um by minor things that they changed, like for example, the Picard's housekeepers, mm. the, their their makeup, they looked like Vulcans, but they were supposed to be Romulans. And I know that's a tiny nitpick, but it just drove me nuts because the Romulans had a very distinctive look. They had grayish, yellowy skin and terrible haircuts, and the the updated version, they definitely look more realistic, more believable. They don't look like people wearing makeup, but they look too much like Vulcans for me. And that it just drove me nuts. Hi, Letty. Would you like any coffee? Winning any any ice cream in your coffee? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that drove me nuts. <laughs> it's like, why is she speaking uh, with an Irish accent? And uh-huh. yeah, on top of all of that, yeah. um, and then <clears throat> I found as the season went on in season one, Picard became a background character in his own show yeah and and i i found there was a lot of times where he was like kind of like doddering old man not very smart not very sharp and i was kind of like oh man this is not the picard that i thought i knew and and then a lot of times he became a background character and i i didn't necessarily love that because i didn't find that i loved the new cast all that much all these new characters Although it was totally awesome to see Seven of Nine come back, mm-hmm. that was wicked, uh, and she was—I don't know—maybe the best part of the of the show uh, in terms of like 
a diehard Star Trek fan who doesn't want to see the franchise change. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I hated season one. I just didn't love it. And then I heard from Chris that season two, you said you probably won't like it. They, the things you don't like there, there's more of. Mm -hmm. So I just never bothered. Yeah. Um, and then on Chris's insistence, I watched season three, and I definitely feel that season three was the best season. Yeah. But, uh, and, and and season three should have been how they started the show. If season yes. three had been season one, yes. we probably all would like the show and have better things to say about it than we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I just, one more thing about season one. The best episode, in my opinion, of season one is episode seven, where he finally reunites with uh, Riker and Troy and they make pizza. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was the best episode because that was the one that felt the most like the old Star Treks because those guys still all have wonderful chemistry together. And even though they were basically just making pizza and touring around the garden, it it was the best episode, I thought. Yeah, I agree. Agree. Um, yeah, yeah. Season one. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to think. <laughs> There's so like there were so many interesting things that they try, like they introduced like concepts and stuff, and they just went nowhere. You know, like the Borg cube. Like, what was the point? Like, I just like, and how did it get there? Like, they never really answered that. Um. You know, Data's daughter. Like, how... Like, they never really answered, like, why... She, you know, her and her sister... I want to say Soji and Dodge, Why they left with Bruce Maddox, like, from that, like, utopian android colony. Like, why would they leave? I, and and why would... Why did they erase their memories? And, like, there's so many things that they, like, they threw out there, but they never answered. And... And I, I was just so frustrated at the end of it because it's like, and then they shoehorn data back into it, and I'm like, yeah. you know, like, it, like if you had told me like data, you know, because remember in the beginning Picard was having visions or dreams of data. If you would have told me like this computer that he's in, like somehow like he sent out a transmission and tapped into like a Borg implant that Picard still has in his brain, and that's how. He's able to tell, you know, give them these dreams that, you know, my daughters are in danger or whatever. Then I'd have been like, ah, okay, that makes sense. But they never, never went there. They, ne- you know, like just didn't acknowledge it. Well, they never, they never really went there until season three. So, I mean, if you're watching, uh, yeah, Star Trek First Contact, you know, when he's got that kind yeah. of whispering collective in his ear regarding a where to target the cube and stuff, you know, he's obviously, yep. You know, a little bit panicked about what's going on, and of course Troy's after him for you know what's what's the matter. Like, I can hear them, you know. I still get. I mean, even saying that out loud, I still get chills down my neck from that movie. But yeah. Um, but even then, we had no idea that you know there was no uh, so, remnants of anything happening with them. Yeah, and then yeah, season two, I didn't like, like like bringing Q into it. I was like, cool, you know, like this is interesting. But then again, it's like, why is he dying? Did he die? Like, I know, like, they have that post-credit scene at, at the end of Season 3 where he's yep. clearly not dead, but... And then, you know, 
I don't know. Like I was like, it was a waste of John Delancey. Like he's such a great actor, and they oh, wasted yeah. him. Um, you know, they they cheaped out. Like they went to L.A. You know, they had to time travel to modern day L.A. so they could just film in L.A. And I get that, but it was not. They did it in not an interesting way. And one thing that drives me nuts about season one and two of Picard, and I've said this many times, it's the fact that they don't respect life because like literally on the first season of star trek picard someone gets murdered in every episode like you like if you go back and watch it and think about you know oh yeah that you know like murders it's like watching law and order it's like every episode someone's getting murdered you know Mm -hmm. even if it's just a background character and i'm thinking to myself like this isn't this isn't star trek like yes i understand like red shirts you know, would get killed and stuff. And that was, you know, the running joke for a long time. But there was still a respect, fundamental respect for life, you know. But in Picard, you got, like, the, I can't even remember that, El, Elron or or Elrod or whatever, the Romulan sword guy. Like, he just cut, yep. just beheads that guy. Like, just all <laughs> willy-nilly, and it's like nothing happens to him. What's her name, like? kills Bruce Maddox and like she goes to prison for like what six months or something like there's some line in season two that she had to do like a little bit of time but not really and it's like you killed him in a really cold-blooded sort of way and then same with uh what's his name there Echeb like when they're that torture scene like that just like that's that's really what killed it for me I'm like Am I watching uh, a Saw movie or am I watching Star Trek? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, like I know bad things happen in Star Trek. I, like, obviously, like there's wars and all this other stuff that take place, but you never see it on the show. You know, like when Picard's being tortured in in Chain of Command, Part Two. You know, like they, you don't actually see. Gull uh, Madrid beating him or whipping him or anything like that, like any of the normal torture things that you would you know see. But you know they they wrote around it that say, you know we got this implant that we put inside you when you're passed out. I just have to push this button, and then you see Patrick Stewart you know do some good acting, like he reacts like he's in pain and he's being tortured, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's what you do. But if the but if it was modern Star Trek, if it was St- Star Trek Picard, you would have seen Gal Madrid like, you know, torturing him with like hot pincers and and you know uh, uh, hammer and a nail and all this other stuff. Like you would have seen real torture. And I just that to me that's not Star Trek. Like that really took me out of season one, and that's when I was like, you know, this is rough. So anyway, that being said. Season three, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, I'm thinking of the name of the showrunner. Um, oh, I can't remember. He 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 was part of the writing department in season two of Picard, but he wasn't the showrunner. Like Alex Kurtzman was the showrunner. Uh, Terry Terry Metalis, and then uh, Alex Kurtzman, I think, when they came to do season three. He went off to do that Clarice show, that you know, Silence of the Lambs spinoff mm-hmm. show that doesn't have Hannibal Lecter. It's just Clarice, 
he went off to showrun that show, so he gave season three to Terry Metalis. And Terry Metalis is clearly a Star Trek fan, because he knew, you know, oh, you know, like, if, if I'm only getting one season of Star Trek, and this was the final season of Picard, he was like, I'm going to do everything I want to do. I'm a, I'm a Deep Space Nine fan, so I want to see Changelings. I want to see Worf, uh, you know, as uh, kind of like a Buddhist monk, you know, warrior <laughs> type of character. Uh, I want to reference Odo. I want to um, do, you know, do all, you know, uh, Wrath of Khan type of stuff going on. Like he, like he really was a Star Trek fan, and you could tell. Like there was a lot of love put into season three. Was it perfect? No. But it was pretty good, I think. Like, as far as modern Star Trek goes, I think this is the best season of Star Trek since season four of Enterprise. Like, it, it's this season three of Picard is better, in my opinion, is better than the J.J. Abrams movies. It's better than Discovery, better than oh, Strange New Worlds, yes. Yes, better than season one yes. and two of Picard. <clears throat> I think this is the best season of Star Trek since Enterprise, season four. I, I still stand by. You got to watch Lower Decks, man. Oh, oh yeah, no, no. I, I I totally intend to. Absolutely. Um, but again, that like that like to me, like it's not. Even though like I guess those two characters from like the main characters from Lower Decks are going to be showing up in the new yeah. season of Strange New Worlds. Yes. Yep. Um, which is pretty exciting. Which means I have to watch season one now so I can understand what's going on. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I got to watch that. Yeah, I gotta watch that too. And of course, Ragnar keeps going after me for watching Lower Decks. So. Yeah, me too. Lower Decks is just like it's a comedy show in the kind of Rick and Morty style. Yeah, but it's written by people who love, love Star Trek, and every episode is just filled to the brim with Star Trek Easter eggs. So it's like it's funny. It still it feels like Star Trek. And it's just loaded with Easter eggs for diehard fans. And they actually get the, like, actors that, you know, like, when they have, like, Major Kira show up in Quark, oh, yeah. it's actually them. So yeah. that's cool. Jonathan yeah. Franks. Yep. Yeah, Jonathan Franks and Marina Sirtis. And, yeah. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. That's on my to-do list. Same. Like, I, I do want to go back and rewatch Season 3 of Picard because I've been told that once you've, you know, finished Season, the, you know, end of season three if you go back and rewatch it there's a lot of clues for everything like and right I'm, for like and i'm actually sorry so no go ahead jess yeah, i'm actually doing that right now so in in just a beef up of the podcast uh, yesterday i actually sat the family down because i only watched a solo uh so i sat the family down started watching i think episodes one through four last night nice and it's absolutely right watching it again with a fresh set of eyes Knowing what's going to happen, you tend to catch these little Easter egg type things and little nuggets that just yeah. either makes you smile, makes you slightly weep, thinking what's going to happen down the road. Um, it, it's it's awesome watching it a second time around. Absolutely. Um, okay. So yeah, like, was this the best thing ever? No, it 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 wasn't. But I think they corrected a lot of mistakes that they did in season one and two, especially when it came to like data. Um, 
And yeah, like uh, what Jess was saying, like with all the little Easter eggs and stuff. Like for example, um, I think it's on the penultimate episode, or maybe episode eight. Like when the, the whole crew finally is together, and they're in the conference lounge on the Titan, and Data walks in, and everyone's hugging him, and you know, and you know, because that was the episode when he defeated Lore and took over his body, right? And everyone's, you know, giving him hugs and, and all that kind of stuff, except for Worf. Worf looks away and just sits down in the in his chair. And, do, and there, he doesn't say anything. And I didn't notice that. But apparently Michael Dorn said, like, the way he would look at this new data, he would see him as almost like an abomination. Like, his friend died saving them so he died with mm. honor to, so to see this new data walking around he said you know Worf would not be happy about it he would accept it but he wouldn't be happy about it so when you see that scene and you see Worf like kind of like not acknowledge him that's why and I love those little details <laughs> I never caught that I'll have to catch that when I watch that one yeah, I love the, I love those little details that they put in there. So like, yeah, like Terry Metalis, you know, he really liked Star Trek, and he really, you know, uh, let her rip with this with with the the final uh, season of Picard. Because yeah, this might be his last kick in the can. Like you know, like I know there's talk oh, yeah. about you know maybe they might do a spinoff series called Star Trek Legacy with you know the Enterprise G, I guess. I'm still disappointed we didn't get to see the F, even though we did. But when they're like, yeah, we're decommissioning this, I'm like, what? Like, we haven't even seen it do anything yet. Like, it's, so no, that was apparently like, Worf really effed, Worf apparently really effed up on it, so I'd love to know what the heck he did. But. Well, he, he, he effed up the E. <laughs> the E, but now they're they're already decommissioning the F. And I'm like, huh. Yep. So, but I, 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 I love that little <sighs> detail that, you know, even though people, you know, you know, were saying, "Oh, it's just fan service and stuff," I was like, "Yeah, I know," but it's kind of neat. Again, looking back and watching the series again a second time to to think that this whole show is actually taking place on the Enterprise. It's just not called the Enterprise yet. So that's kind of cool. Um, and one thing that I didn't like about season three, and I've had a few friends that almost ostracized me over this, and it, it kind of sucks. I didn't like the ship design for Titan. It eventually grew on me, but for the first while, I was just, what is this hunk of junk? <laughs> and I'm sorry to say that out loud. You know, I, I started with, with the original series, of course, yep. you know, you got big cells popping up, whatever, but eventually end up with the Enterprise D, where it's nice, it's slick, it's got arc lines. Like, hell, even the, the Titan's bridge with the bridge consoles, they got that kind of sliding... Uh, a nice sleek feeling to them, but the exterior was just so damn clunky. <laughs> and it was eventually it grew on me, but ah, the first half of the season three just just killed me. Yeah, I, I gotta say, um, I actually liked it. Like, cause it, um, they call it Neo Constitution class, so it's it's yeah. a it's akin to you know the Enterprise, more the Enterprise A, or the you know the refit Enterprise. Um, and, and, uh, the, my biggest complaint about it, 
And it, and it's kind of like my complaint about modern Star Trek sets in general is they all have this like silvery, clunky feeling. Like like when spoilers, I should have said spoilers right at the beginning. <clears throat> but like when oh, yeah. when when they're on the Enterprise D, and Picard says, you know the uh, you know the one thing I've missed is the carpet. I'm like, yeah, carpet. me too, and lights. Like, why is everything yep. so dark on these ships? Like, it just—you <laughs> know—the the only time it ever really got dark on TNG was when they were on the battle bridge, and it made sense. Like, they're going into battle. Yep. But other than that, like, why not have it more well lit? Like, I understand from a production standpoint why they're doing that because you know it's cheaper, um, and a lot of their sets are CGI. So, you know, they're just acting around green screens and they just add things in afterwards. That's why, like, in Episode 9, when they ended up on the on the Enterprise D, I was so happy because you could tell that that was a real set. They really yeah. built it again. Um, and I, and, well, um, yeah, well, yeah, we're just doing a general discussion. But I got to tell you, like, that last scene in episode nine i was grinning from ear to ear I, like that was my happiest moment as a star trek fan in a very long time to see I them i was crying <laughs> like I, I couldn't believe it and then jordan when jordy says you know computer lights and at first the lights are taking a while to fully illuminate and i'm like oh they're gonna still make it dark looking but then it you know goes full light and i'm like this is the enterprise like this is so, like i was not expecting it and that and as a fan that that's i can't believe they pulled it off without me figuring it out like i know some people are like well it's obvious you know they're gonna go back to the enterprise d i'm like it wasn't obvious to me i thought from episode one of season one of star trek picard i kept asking myself when are we gonna see the enterprise e because that was the last Enterprise we saw in Star Trek Nemesis. And according to canon, uh, because they did like a Picard book that went along with season one. Um, and it talks about like Picard organizing, you know, the evacuation of the Romulan system and all that kind of stuff. When Picard left the Enterprise E to go lead that evacuation like he went i can't remember the name of the ship he he took over but he left the enterprise in command with wharf like he, wharf got promoted to captain and he was captain of the enterprise so through season one and two i was like maybe we'll see wharf and the enterprise e so when you know it came time for an enterprise i was expecting to see the e you know like that's what i was waiting for so when they showed the D, I'm like, my mind was just blown. I'm like, this yep. is amazing. Like, I realized the Star Drive isn't the original, you know, Enterprise, obviously. But the saucer section, of course. And I mean, the saucer section and the bridge, that's the heart of that ship. Um, so to me, it doesn't matter that, you know, like, the rest of it isn't actually the Enterprise. It's still the Enterprise. And, and the one thing talking about heart, the idea of Maisel Barrett as the voice yes. of the Enterprise D computer, and acknowledging him as Captain Picard, not mm -hmm. as his official Admiral Picard title. That was 
That was nice. I love that touch. Oh, yeah. And, and then seeing everyone taking their stations and Jordy's taking the helm. Like, that's where he started in season one. I was just, yeah. I, to me, um, like, Jess, I don't know how, how much of a Marvel guy you are. But to me, that was like when Cap picked up Thor's hammer. I was just like, yep. my mind was blown. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm seeing this. Oh, yeah, the theater erupts and then cheer. And oh, yeah. 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 And and that episode, like, honestly, um, one of the reasons why I want to go back and rewatch season three of Picard is I actually didn't rewatch a lot of the first episodes. It wasn't until I got to episode nine, like, as soon as that episode was over, I rewatched it immediately. That's the first yep. time I've done that with the Star Trek show since enterprise um like i just had like i was just so happy with that episode other than you know they killed off shaw i i was really disappointed with that because i i liked him like yeah he he was yeah, a- I'm... sorry jess go ahead. Sorry, go ahead go ahead chris i i was getting well the thing with shaw you know he come off as this asshole right from from you know the beginning oh and I, what and what an asshole! Yeah, but then I was like, you know, I think this is going to be like a Jellico type of character, where you don't like him, but he's actually you grow to like him towards the end, and that's exactly what they did. Because like I don't know Jellico how you was an no 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 Jellico was an asshole from start to finish. I mean, he <laughs> trotted off with his with his head hung low like Trump and. You know, just like ugh, lumbering away kind of thing. But he's a dick from step one to step twelve. I mean, just well, die. see, seeing with Jellico, I see. I, I like. I, I really like Ronnie Cox. I, I like that actor. He plays a really good actor. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but the thing with Jellico though is, you know, to talk about Chain of Command, um, like he was the only one that was like the Romulans. Or not, not the Romulans. The Cardassians are have this invasion fleet in this nebula, and everyone else is like, "What if you're wrong?" And he's like, "I'm not wrong. We're going in there, and this is what we're gonna do." And like Crusher was mad at him. Troy was mad at him. Riker was clearly mad at him because he got, uh, you know, yeah. thrown out, and and Data was given a red shirt. LaForge was questioning him. The only one that didn't question him was Worf, and I think it's because. Uh, Jellico is almost like a Klingon. Like he was like, you know, we're doing this, and and he was right. They they were, gonna, you know, they yep. did have an invasion fleet. They were gonna invade the Federation. He stopped it. Like if it had been Riker in command, it might have ended very differently and not in a good way. And then right at the end, when he's like, oh, and by the way, I hear you're holding a Starfleet officer named Jean Luc Picard. I want him returned immediately and you can almost see like Worf almost like smiling like he's so happy <laughs> and I was like you know I thought Jellico was an asshole but I guess he was the asshole they needed because he was right <laughs> you know and that's kind of how I how I was thinking Shaw I'm like I bet I bet you by the end of this season I'm gonna like this guy and I and I was yeah, right I, mean, I, thought he, I, I thought he was such an ass but I mean <clears throat> Even though he's still watching, you're still thinking he's an ass. You're you're like loving him behind the scenes, and then when it's the end, it's like, 
what was I doing thinking he was such a dick? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I love the fact that, like, like when, uh, I can't remember what episode it was, but when he's like, what, when he's kind of like yelling at Picard, he's like, why are, why are we risking ourselves for this guy, for this guy? Why are we doing this? And then Picard's like, because he's my son. And then you just see Shaw like, well, okay. Yeah. And then, then he just switches, (laughs) switches gears. He's like, yep. You know, he's, he's a family member. So goes back to. I can't remember his comment was about uh, Picard being kind of this, this doting old guy. I think it was Ragnar's comment, actually, about uh, the doting old guy, Picard, from season one. Oh, yeah. He was kind of doing that for the first couple episodes of Picard season three. He was. Until yeah. he recognizes that, hey, you know, <clears throat> looking at, you know, Beverly, of course, well, frack, this frack, there you go, Battlestar. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, frack, you know, this this is my kid. Then he suddenly stands up and says, nope, I'm not putting up with this crap. <clears throat> You know, and puts his foot down, kind of thing. But up until that point, he's just kind of like dawdling around the background, you know, a little cane, and you know, what's he up to? He's, yeah, he so. still had a few moments after that, but definitely that felt like a okay, I'm gonna shake the cobwebs out and and be my old self moment. Yeah, exactly. See, and yeah. the thing, the thing with season one and two. And like I think you were saying Ragnar about how how Picard was almost like a like he wasn't like the main character in his own show. It it, it wasn't just that that bothered me. It was the fact that like he, you know, he was always getting shit on by, you know, Raffi yeah. or Gerardi or you know, like you know, basically because he's an old white guy, you know, they kind of treated him like crap. And I and I just find that is something that happens now with modern Hollywood. They did that to Luke Skywalker. They disrespected him. Um, and he really wasn't the character that he was at the end of Return of the Jedi, like when he came back. And no. for, and from what I've heard, like all the rumors, like with the new Indiana Jones movie, that's kind of what they're doing with Indiana Jones, where they got this... Oh, I, I, I can't wait to see it, because I know it's going to be horrible. Well, I hope not. Oh, um, the early reviews they showed it at Cannes, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And the early reviews are not good. Yeah, oh, man. and and basically yeah. that uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge, apparently her character, because she's the strong female character, younger female, she you know is constantly putting Indy down, putting him in his place, you know, basically making him look like an old idiot, while she's like. Which- the, Depending how they do it, though, that could be funny because, like, this one is set in like the seventies, sixty nine. Because it's it's nineteen sixty nine. Yeah. So if you have Indiana Jones behaving the way he did in nineteen forty two, but it's now nineteen sixty nine, that could be funny. They did like they did a great job of that being funny in Austin Powers. Right? Yeah. Like, Austin, you can't you can't behave like that anymore. It's it's not you know it's thirty years now. 30 years later, we don't treat people like that. We don't say things like that. And it was funny. So they could go that way, and it could work. Well, I'm pretty sure they're not going to. But, yeah. But you know, there is the possibility for that to be funny. But, I, but, I mean, Austin Powers Austin Powers itself was just, uh, the overall premise is just funny. Yeah. I mean, well, the Indiana yeah. Jones trilogy, the guys kind of including Crystal Skull, I mean, there were funny parts of it, yes, but it was, it was an action hero. With fun yes. little parts. Yeah. 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 
Well, I'm, yeah. I'm sure it's going to be terrible, but I, I'm excited to see it just because I know it's going to be terrible. I, I, I there's in my head, there's basically no chance of it being good. It, I hope it, you're wrong. If but it if we'll it see. if it completely bombs, you know, I know we're going on tangent here, but if it completely bombs, I like they gotta get rid of Kathleen Kennedy. Like, get somebody who actually knows yeah. Star Wars running Star Wars. You know, whether it's John like Favreau, like Dave Filoni, or, or and Dave John Filoni. Favreau. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just, just put them in charge already. Yeah. Give them many dump trucks full of money and the keys to the kingdom. Like, they understand what Star Wars is, and they understand what the fans want. Yeah. And they would just nail it if they had no interference from anybody else. And and that's, I think the pro. Like, I, honestly, I think that was the problem with Boba Fett, and that's the problem with Mandalorian season three is it was too much of Kathleen Kennedy stepping in and like, you have to do this. You have to do that. We can, you know, you have to bring, bring, bring back baby Yoda. We can't have him gone. He sells too many toys. We need him in, in every episode possible. You know, it's stuff like that. Whereas, you know, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, they would, you know, tell, tell it like it, like it should be told, not based on, you know, sales. Whereas I think that's where, Kathleen Kennedy comes from, you know, she's trying to make money. Uh, but anyway, uh, getting back to Picard, what I what I was saying was, um, like with with Luke's what they did with Luke Skywalker, um, and possibly Indiana Jones is this Hollywood thing of of tearing down our old heroes and put you know and having someone put them in their place, and that just drives me nuts. Like in Star Trek. Picard season one, I just feel like people should have been paying Picard more respect than he was shown. Oh, especially when you consider all the different things he did in his career and yeah. and, and all the times that he saved the galaxy and individual mm-hmm. planets and individual people, there's just no way that anybody would ever treat him poorly. Yeah, and, and like that, even that, like scene in season one where he shows up at Starfleet headquarters and that guy doesn't know who he is. As if. And As it's if like, they wouldn't know who he was. Yeah, it's like, you know, the guy that doesn't know who he is is a Starfleet officer. And this is a guy, you know, uh, you know, across from you who has literally saved the human race on a number of occasions. And you don't know, you, you know, like, that's just a bad joke. It's... There, there would be there would be classes about him. Yeah, know, it's, it's it's Star Trek First Contact. Saffron Cochran, you know. We're, yeah, we're, you were required reading, you know, and yeah, yeah. I went I went to a high school named after you. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yep. but but to me, it that's just Hollywood. Like it's like they can't. You know, back in like yeah, First Contact when you had Barkley like fanboying over Saffron Cochran. That is what people would be doing with Picard, but it's like they had to make a point of saying no. You know, you you know, it doesn't matter what he did; he's an old man. We have to disrespect him, and and I just don't understand that way of thinking. They're, they're, they did give him a bit of yes. That. There was that that scene where he's in the bar and yeah. all these. But you know, that, but that's Terry yeah, Metalis yeah. though. Like he's like he's yeah. cr- corrected so like so many things that they got wrong, and that was one of them. Was like this yeah. is you know, a Starfleet hero, 
he would be respected and he would be honored yep. and everyone would love him and that's what they did this season like yeah those scenes when he yeah when he's just trying to have lunch and people are at, you know constantly asking him questions like that would be he would be a celebrity yeah in, in that world yep. uh so I, I i like that i really like that they did that so anyway let's go around the table and um you know what else did you guys like Ragnar uh what did you like about season three that we haven't um, already mentioned that we ha that we haven't discussed um I mean it was awesome to see Worf again mm-hmm yep I mean I know that when I watched season one of Picard I was expecting to see all of the original cast members plus people that we've met along the way that weren't main cast show up in some capacity and I was really disappointed that they they didn't go that route. Yeah. I I didn't need to see a cast reunion. I didn't need to see them all coming in and and helping him, but I thought like okay, you know, we're doing this thing we'll, and we'll run into Jordy over here and we're doing that thing and we'll run into you know, Chief O'Brien over here and we're doing this like I thought they would really have a lot more cameos in it than they did. Mhm. Mm and and I remember being quite disappointed in season one that they they didn't go that route at all. Other than he runs into he eventually seeks out Troy and Riker. Yep. And I remember just thinking like they had so many opportunities to do cameos and tie-ins and things like that, and they really didn't take any of them. So it was very exciting in season three that they finally did some of that. Um and I, I would say one of my favorite things about season three was the changelings, the the evil branch of the changelings who refused to join the Great Link and surrender and admit that the war was over. And they hated humanity so much that they went and found the Borg and, and, and worked out a devil's deal with them. I thought that was fucking brilliant. Yep. And what an awesome way to tie in tie in ds9 and next gen and and really the dominion were one of the scariest enemies in star trek but a lot of people didn't watch ds9 so they don't even know about them they just think about the borg as the big enemy but yep. really the dominion were just as big a threat if not worse at one point mm -hmm. so i thought that was just awesome that they they brought changelings in and they were they were evil and and I love that. Um, yeah, it would have been cool if they could have snuck in Odo or even that lady who was like the main face of the the shapeshifters. But that's probably just getting into fan service for for DS9 fans. So I understand why they didn't go that way. And obviously Odo, Rene Aubergenois is deceased, so there's that yeah. too. Yeah. But uh, I thought that was really cool. I was really excited when I discovered that they were changelings. Um, and, I mean, the Borg are a pretty great bad guy, so it's always it's always a pleasure to have them show up as villains in whatever capacity that can be done in. Just to add in there, Ragnar, with the changeling aspect of things, the one thing I didn't like about Picard Season 3 in terms of the changelings, it was like, yep, the changelings were, were there. I mean, they're thrilling to know you're in the background. You have no idea who's who. But the only, well, I mean, with the exception of Amanda Plummer's character, um, they were only really out there in, like, two episodes. The rest of it was all Borg, which is fine yes. by me. But it was like 
they almost did it just like you guys said, kind of like lip service. Yeah. And then what happened? I don't know. They're still, they, you know, they're still mad, but now it's all over the board. They were, they were just there to introduce the board. Like they were just a, yeah. a device to introduce the board again. And and they could have done more with them. I yeah, agree. They should have. They should have. I would have liked to have seen that. But I still thought that was great that they got back in any capacity. Yeah, and just uh, just to jump in real quick, there I will say like with the with the changelings, one thing that did kind of drive me nuts a little bit were times when you didn't see them do what they can do. Like for example, when Jordy's uh, yeah. daughter and Jack are running through the ship. Remember they set that trap where they're trying to capture yep. Amanda Plummer, and they're running through the ship and they're getting changed or chased by changelings. And I'm thinking to myself. Why don't they just like you know do the you know rem- remember uh, when when they found out General Martok was a changeling, yeah, and he stretched out his arms and started strangling Odo, and then the yep. all the Klingons had to like fire to kill him. Like wh- like I'm thinking to myself, if you're a changeling, why are you even like ru- like chasing these people? Why wouldn't you just stretch your yeah. arm out and, and grab them? Why would you stay in a bipedal humanoid form? Like, yeah, you know, like you could change into any form. There's so many that would be so much faster and, and more expedient in this case. Not to mention, yeah, you could, like, do the Mr. Stretch thing. like Yeah. Uh, I just, I, I think if they had explained it a little bit better, like, to say, like, maybe not all the changelings have their abilities intact. Like, maybe it it's not like it was before because they were experimented on. Maybe it's harder for them to change. You know, yeah. J- just yeah, they something. Yeah, could have thrown in a very simple explanation. Yeah. Like, um, like, I, like, I, I understand the production reason because it costs a lot of money to do all these special effects. But if yeah. you're, if you're gonna have like, then don't have all of them be changelings. Like, um, like those guys that were with Amanda Plummer. Like, I didn't even think they were yeah. changelings to begin with. I thought they were just like some goons that she yeah, hired. Yeah. Yeah. But then they're like, oh no, they're actually changelings. I'm like. But why? You don't need them to be. All you need is Amanda Plummer, and then just say, "Yeah, there's a there's a few other changelings out there doing you know other stuff." Yeah, we don't even we don't even need to see them. And I and I and I gotta say, I love that scene with Tuvok or the fake Tuvok. Cause, yep, that cause, was all. That was great. They brought Tuvok in. Yeah. Because Tim Russ, yeah, like was, like when like, when she oh, figures it yeah. out, and then he just gets that smile on his face. I'm like, ah, oh, he could play such a good villain. Like, that was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. I was disappointed we didn't get Janeway. I really, yeah. they, they referenced yeah. her so many times, I thought we were going to see her for sure. Yeah, and I think, uh, from what I've heard, uh, again, I think they started running out of money. Like, the problem with yeah. this season is, like I said, like one, one of the reasons why, you know, you didn't see the Changelings do more things is because financial reasons but i think there was an episode where raffi and Worf weren't on the ship like they took a shuttle or something and then they came back the next episode but they didn't really it didn't really add anything to the story but the reason why they weren't there was because they needed to save money so they didn't want to pay them um <laughs> so like it was well, get- i do remember reading there's no money in the future i do remember reading um before the production started, that Worf had said, I'll only come back for some exorbitant figure. Yeah. And that he he apparently was like, I'm not coming. They got everybody else on board, 
and he said, well, this is my price, and it, it took a lot of negotiation to get him on board. Well, for the longest time before Picard, though, uh, he was, Michael Dorn was, you know, pumping the whole idea of, you know, having a, a specific a, wharf show. Yeah. yeah, and because he didn't get that, he, he was yeah. mad, and so he was like, if you want, you wouldn't do what I wanted, so if you want me to do what you want, it's going to cost you. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think. Well, at least that's I had read. So. And then I also but it heard. Was like a, it was a clickbait article, so who knows how authentic it, it was. It, it could have been. I mean, that, that sounds lo- like logical to me. But um, another thing, too, is you'll notice towards the end of the season um, that ship that they were using, because Rafi was using, like, Rios's old ship or one just like it. Yeah. Basically. Like, it wasn't Rios' ship, because what Gerardi Borg Queen took left with that at the end of Season 2. So it's like, why would Raffi have this ship? So she got a ship just like his old ship, just so they could reuse the sets that they built. Yeah, to save money. But then you don't see it towards the end of the season. And the reason why is because they actually had to... I don't know if it's because they had to build the TNG set on that set... So that's why you don't see that ship towards the end of the season because oh. they had to like cannibalize it for production. Gotcha. Wow. Um, <clears throat> like, yeah, money was that tight, apparently, that they had to do these things. Um, um, I also I also did want to say, out of all the new characters we met, besides Captain Shaw, who we've already discussed, um, I did really like Jordy's daughters. Yes. Um, yep. I thought they were both great. <clears throat> Um, I didn't really like the the Picard son guy. Um, I kind of felt like they could have really done the show without Jack, and it would have probably all been just about as good. I I, um, I I would agree with that, except for the last part there, like when when they're on the board cube, and they're in like that dream thing, and Picard's telling him, you know, yeah. Like, like that was really heart warming. Like I was like, wow. That part, that part was great. But so I, I was I'm, glad that I'm, he was I'm, there I'm, for that. I could have done without this Jack character. Um, well, to be honest with but, with uh, you, one thing I had a problem with with him was I have a hard time believing he's twenty. Like he he's yeah, he looks he, at he, least he, thirty. Yeah, he he was not believable for his to be that young. And I. I don't know. I don't know if he looked all that much like either of his parents. It was it was okay. I didn't think it, I wasn't sold immediately. Like it wasn't like when we saw the the Tom Hardy Picard clone, and we were like, "Yep, that's young Picard. No problem buying that." Yeah. This guy was like, "Well, yeah, I guess." Well, I don't know. To be well, honest, I thought he actually looked more like his namesake, like the guy who played Jack Crusher in the TNG flashbacks like that actor I thought he looked more like him I know that mm-hmm. I know that yeah. I, I know that doesn't yeah, make sense yeah. because that's Picard's son but um yeah yeah if anything that makes it worse <laughs> <laughs> oh no but um oh. oh what else was I gonna say um yeah no I I, I didn't mind him um but yeah, like I just had a hard time believing he was like twenty, and I kind of like, like one thing that he he kind of grew on me was the fact that he he's almost like like a James T. Kirk type of character. Like he has he's that very much a, 
a Kirk character. Yeah, so I, I, was, I, I kind of liked that. I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Jordy's daughters I thought were great. And I, from if I remember this correctly, the daughter that works with him at the museum is actually LeVar Burton's real yeah. daughter. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, I'm pr- pretty sure one of them was actually his real daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I think yeah. I, I thought that was really cool. Speaking of weird things, so we're re- we are rewatching season three, mm-hmm. and I've got my wife Monica beside me, and Amanda Plummer comes on screen. I point out, you know, it's Christopher Plummer's daughter. Yep. And she looked and I said, "Yeah, but that's that's the lady from Pulp Fiction." Yeah. That's on the right. Table. And I just stopped and went, oh, crap, it is. You know, completely, just the voice. I finally clicked in with it. But, yeah, I did, did not catch that whatsoever the first time around. And she she's basically made a career out of playing scary, deranged characters. Yeah. Yep. Because I don't think I've ever seen her in a role where she wasn't that. Sometimes she's a villain, sometimes she's a victim, but she's basically always played the same character. And she plays that character so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's almost to the point where you see her now, and you're like, "Oh, okay, this is a crazy, deranged character." Okay, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, a movie she was in, um, and I think it's an underrated Mike Myers film. Is so I married an axe murderer. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, she yeah, played a great one. Yeah, she plays the axe murderer in that movie, and yeah, um, right. I love that movie. I, it's I one of Mike Myers' best movies, I think. But uh, you know, surprisingly, a lot of people haven't seen it. But I, I, I love that movie. No, it, it wasn't a hit. But but those who like it like it a lot. Yeah. Yep. Um. All right. Well, and that's that's pretty much all the things I have to say that I really liked. I have a lot more things that I didn't like or I thought were okay but could have been better. All right, uh, Jess. Um, what did you really like that we haven't covered? Well, I think in general, the whole nostalgia vibe, the TNG vibe was just fantastic. 100% bang. When I was trying to think about ideas for tonight's podcast, trying to go over, especially going over the season again the second time around, Mm -hmm. even more stuff jumped out at me. So the little things, the little nostalgic little bits. So um, one of the few things particularly, the red alert symbol that pops up every once in a while is all reminiscent of the Shatner Enterprise era. Mm-hmm. It's not really a TNG type of thing, it's kind of neat. Um, you know, when he's going through his uh, his old memoirs back at Chateau Picard, you know, playing, they're fiddling around with the flute. You know, um, we already talked about the sub arc with the Dominion Wars and the Changelings, but, you know, Rolaren popping in and you know, saving the day and sacrificing herself was, you know, cool. And then the, uh, then the cell on fire in space was just, yeah, mm-hmm. awesome to see. Um, the backstory with Shaw for the Battle of Wharf, uh, Wharf, uh, uh, sorry, Wolf 359. Yep. Uh, kind of really synced things up with his dislike for the whole Picard character. Um, that was neat. I mean, even watching. Watching a lot of this, I mean, I always have a tear in my eye with these things. When it came to episodes 9 and 10, of course, I was at the blubbering mess. Don't tell anybody that. This is a problem, <laughs> is it? <laughs> um, you know, little things like the Tasha Yar Memorial little beacon thing and the the, da- the data lore uh, dreamscape scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, 
you know, there's just there's just so much to list in, and I get a much better appreciation for it watching the second time around. So I'd highly recommend doing that. Um, obviously, I've seen the last uh, scene with the Enterprise going through the the Borg ship there on uh, TikTok with tons of different. The background music from ACDC to YMCA to whatever. So that's that was a fun scene. And, uh, you know, just just watching the old cast get together. Oh, one, one particular thing I liked is reading an article a couple weeks ago. The last scene for the poker scenes, obviously, mm-hmm. when Star Trek Next Generation wrapped up that two-parter with Q, uh, everybody sitting down playing poker, Picard walks in and joins, and they kind of do the pan up from the table out the out to the exterior of the ship. Yeah, the poker scene at the end of season ten. Uh, the article I read is the directors wanted to keep it lively and personable, so apparently the entire scene was improvised. Yeah, they actually weren't given scripts, and they just said, "Have fun with it." They shot cool. it from a whole bunch of different angles and mashed it all together, and it just—I don't know—it just kind of it synced up everything in my mind. Yep, the real message. Um, so I'll just throw in there just to just to kind of jump on what Jess had said about the the Enterprise D in action. One thing that used to really piss me off about Generations, Star Trek Generations was the fact that they took out the Enterprise D so easily. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. even even with, you know, like the Klingon Bird of Prey being able to fire through the shields, it's still a Galaxy-class starship. Like, they, you know, they could still take them out. Like, the fact that they didn't, like, they, it was just a writing thing that drove me nuts. Because, like, yeah. you know, it, it just, it should have been written better. And I read the Enterprise D could have rammed them. Well, yeah, like I just, I just felt like they were take, <laughs> taken out like, a, like, a, like in a punkish way, like it, like they were punked. So to see the Enterprise, you know, like them flying through the this ginormous cube, and you know, Data doing his thing and Doctor Crusher doing her thing with the weapons, like I was like, this is the Enterprise in all its glory. Like this is the way it should have been. You know, like. It can, it's a kick-ass 100%. ship. Um, so that always bugged me about Generations is the fact that they lit like this ship has literally went up against the Borg, and an old Klingon bird of prey is going to take it out. And I'm like, no, there's no way. Uh, so you yeah. know, like I really felt like in that last you know battle scene in, in season three, I think Terry Metalis was probably thinking the same thing I thought when he watched Generations, and he wanted to, like, rectify that and, sh- and show people, this is a ship that is awesome and is, and is capable. And we and we finally get to see it in its glory. So I was pretty happy about that. Um, all right, well, let's, let's move on to what we didn't like. Um, so I'll quickly... I'll start off with a, f- a few things that I didn't like. Um, and this is kind of a running theme with... with Star Trek Picard in general is the mischaracterization of some characters. I really didn't like what they did with Dr. Crusher in the beginning. Like when she's killing these changelings. What what, what we know now are changelings. I'm yeah. like, 
like, yeah, I realize, like, they have that joke at the end, in the final episode when she's firing the weapons and they all kind of look at her and she's like, it's been a rough 20 years. Like, yes, that's funny, but it's like, I, you know, Dr. Crusher was such, um, you know, she was such a, 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 a person that respected life. For her to become, like, this cold-blooded, you know, Sarah Connor type of character, I didn't like that, and I didn't buy it. Um, I, I really felt that was out of character for her. Um, and then the other thing, the other out of character thing that I didn't particularly like was when Worf killed that Ferengi. Um, not that he wasn't a, a you know, a sleazeball or anything. Like, I get it. But for him to, like, I think he beheaded him, didn't he? cut his head off, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. To, 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 oh, yeah. To, to do that from behind, that is not very warrior-like. And I really don't think Worf would have done that normally. Like, I, I, like, I think yeah. that, you know, they did it for the shock value, obviously. But that's, again, that's like El, Elrond or whatever, Elrod or whatever his name was, the Romulan guy from season one, when he beheaded that, that guy. I, I don't like that. Uh, like, I don't think you should be doing that. Like, I realize that Klingons do that, and I realize some Klingons would do that, like, no problem. But I just don't think Worf would do that, because he's got too much honor to, to, to behead somebody from behind. Like, if he, had, if he had killed him, you know, straight up, like, eye to eye, like, I could see that, but not the whole, you know, cutting him up from behind. I, I didn't like that. I didn't think that was true to his character. But I realize, you know, people change, you know, like, I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. So I get it, you know, like that, people will say, well, you know. Um, but I just don't think, I still don't think that was true to the character. But to, to quickly add on to the Dr. Crusher thing, uh, on the positive note, I was glad that Gates McFadden got more to do in the season. Because yeah. when you think about like the TNG movies, like she was barely there. Like she was like a glorified extra. Like that's all she was in those movies. She never really got to do anything. So to see her doing things this time around, I, I like that. You know, and and I know she appreciated, like the actress Gates McFadden really appreciated it this time. But I I just didn't like the whole Sarah Connor aspect to her. I didn't I didn't like that. But anyway, um, that's what I didn't like. Jess, uh, what what did you not like about season three? Um, it's hard to say. I liked a lot of things. Um. As with, well, as with most shows, especially when they know they're in their final season, mm -hmm. the writers tend to cram a lot and a lot and a lot and a lot, unless you're dealing with like a Netflix series that season two comes out and yay, there's going to be season three. No, there isn't. One. <laughs> yeah. this, this time around, at least they knew that this was going to be the final season. So mm -hmm. Let's pull out all the stops, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, cramming everything into a 10. Ten episode in the season is got to be challenging. Yeah. Um, past that, the only other things I had were kind of minor things. So Vadik, you know, Amanda Plumber's character with the what I'm going to call the changeling hand puppet mastermind, 
Yeah. I, 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 I just... Look, it's the hand puppet, you know? It's it's, it's an old CBC 60s series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How's it going, Mr. Dude? Um, that that kind of bothered me. Um, whoops, oh, hand puppet Zodiac. Oh, shoot. Um, so that kind of... That made me laugh and cry at the same time. I don't know what mixed feelings on that one. But for Mastermind, it, it didn't... I don't know. It didn't quite work for me on that one. And um, the other weird little thing, you know, Tuvok, seeing Tuvok, you know, whether he's a changeling or the actual Tuvok, it's the end of the season, uh, the end of episode 10. Um, you know, for the 20 years, he sure aged hard. Yeah. I don't know what that guy was up to, but, you know, for a Vulcan, 20 years is kind of a drop in the bucket. And that man looked like he was, like, president for 20 years, and he's all aged and stressed out. And... Yeah, you know, that is a good point. He did look... Way too old for a Vulcan. Like they wouldn't. He would. Well, yeah. The, you're right. Well, his ears are kind of drooping too. So I'm thinking there's some sort of backstory to that. So who knows? Maybe that's the reason why Janeway didn't pop in. Who knows? Well, the the thing yeah. with, the thing with Tuvok though is he actually is really old. Like what? Like that was one thing that bothered me about Voyager was the fact that he didn't look older because he actually served on the Excelsior with Sulu. When he was a young yeah, but, man, um, was it halfway through Voyager? There's that one episode. Yeah. Actually, I caught that the other day. Yeah, that, for the uh, Janeway's searching, searching through terraquads of information to to find the truth. And oh, happy birthday! Almost at the three digit thing, huh? Yeah, don't tell anybody. So I mean, even if <laughs> he's almost at three digits plus twenty, you know, Spock lived till how long? You know, that that um, is true. That is true. Yeah. Okay. I think it's the stress of things, you know, it's, it's, the Federation's a rough time, Earth is, you know, dystopian, you know, uh, Mad Maxian type feeling, you know, maybe it's just, it's just been rough on the poor guy, who knows? Yeah, that could be, um, did they, like, was he a captain or was he a Commodore? Like, I, I kind of missed what he was. I thought he was an Admiral, right? Oh, hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they said Admiral. Yeah. Okay. Because I know, like, Geordi's a Commodore, which I, I you know, I, I love that. I love the fact when they use the Commodore rank, I like that. Um, yeah, otherwise everybody's an Admiral. Yeah, because yeah. that, that was something that always drove me nuts about TNG and Voyager and Deep Space Nine, is you always see these Admirals, but it's like, where's the Commodores? There's got to be, some, you know, someone between Captain and Admiral. Yeah, um, and that's where the original series comes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, uh, you know, in the original series you saw Commodores and Admirals, so... Um, mm -hmm. I like, I like that, that, you know, that they did that with, uh, with Jordy and cause people were like, why, why is Jordy like is in the final battle or whatever? Like Picard leaves Jordy in command of the enterprise and everyone's like, well, well, data's, you know, higher rank than him. I'm like, no, he's Jordy's a Commodore now. He, you know, yep. data has just been alive for like two days, you know, like, like there's no way he opens <laughs> him. Here's a question for you guys. Classic phasers or the pew 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 JJ Abrams type. Oh, classic. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. Uh, I think they did an okay job in season three, kind of doing a little bit less pew pew pewing and a little more. I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've still always, I've always had trouble with phasers. Like, you tell me we've built all this new technology, we can travel galaxies, and we still have a gun that requires you 
to aim it and accurately hit. We don't have any kind of automatic targeting system built into these things yet. Yeah. The number of times in in every Star Trek series that there's like a gunfight with with handheld phaser type units and people are getting missed and not getting hit and I'm like that just doesn't make sense that we would still be relying on a a weapon that you have to point and shoot with your own eyes. That's yeah, that's always bothered me about all Star Trek. I mean, original Star Trek, of course, was kind of, it was a, a space cowboy type thing, so that was the nostalgic feeling of it. It was basically a cowboy yeah. shootout. Okay, yeah. And I think they kind of just kind of kept with that over the years. But yeah, you're right. I mean, with technology and transwarp drive and what have you, you figure that something... We'd have, you'd have weapons that you like. wouldn't miss. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and everybody would be at war for a Guinan, and, you know, no yeah. one would... Uh, yeah. Well, they've always been kind of inconsistent, too, with what phasers can do. Because, like, um, like on one episode of TNG, like, it's the episode when when Riker is, like, he thinks he's going crazy. And anyway, he he said, like, I'm setting this phaser to wide beam. It would take out this entire building. And then he fires and, like, nothing happens. So it's like, but then... Later on, on Deep Space Nine, like when they're fighting in the Dominion War, and there's that episode when they're fighting for that station. I can't remember what it's called now. But, like, their phasers are limited. It's like, if you can do, like, why not just do wide beam and take out all the Jem'Hadar at once? Like, if, you know, because that's something they established before that you could do, but now you can't do it. Um, But I understand that's just a writer's mistake, right? Like, so just yeah, yeah. inconsistencies. I mean, especially when you talk about TNG and DS9, they were constrained by budget in a way yep. that shows aren't now because what we can do with CGI stuff allows so many more opportunities for the same budget. Yeah. And you know, Star Trek has always been based on okay, this is where technology is now, so we think that, you know, It'll go this way, and they don't often go far enough. And I guess that is a writing thing, but, you know. Yeah. Just look at how much technology has advanced since the original Star Trek series aired. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. like they didn't they don't go far enough when they're imagining what, what technology we would have in the future. Well, e- even even uh, TNG, you know, like their data pads, like... like my, yeah. you know, our our tablets and iPads are way more sophisticated than what they thought was possible in the 24th yeah, I mean, century and the 90s. Have, we don't quite have the, the ability to scan. Like, I can't scan you with my phone and tell you if you're sick or not. Yeah. But short of that, our phones can do way more than, than what they had. Yeah. But I think, like... Uh, this quick tangent. I think that's one of the problems with modern Star Trek is just like what the future of of Star Trek, the future that they've created, isn't our future. You True. know, and I think what what the writers tried to do is they tried to shoehorn everything in to make it fit with you know what's happening in our world. Like for example. Uh. Like Star Trek Discovery, like for you know, it's supposed to take place before the original series, but the ship's way more advanced than than the original Enterprise, right? So, if you're gonna do a show about 
that takes place before the original series, it's got to be the technology has to be not as advanced. But they want to make it more That's advanced like, because it looks cool and we have the technology in the real world to make it look like that. But that's not that world. Like, technology obviously didn't evolve the way it, it has in real life in mm-hmm. the Star Trek universe. But I think writers forget that. Um, you know, that's like... Uh, I, felt, I felt that was actually one of the appealing things for Jonathan Archer's version of Enterprise. Yeah, where, like... You know, you were, you were kind of learning as they were learning as yeah. they went. Obviously, we know where they're going to end up at. Yeah, like getting from there to there to there to here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, like with with uh, with Enterprise, like at the time, like in the early two thousands when they were making that show, I mean, touch screen technology was still fairly new, but it was it was there, you know, like in some industries and so on and so forth. Uh, but with Enterprise, they made a, a conscious effort. It's like no, because on the original series everyone you know they had touch buttons and all this other stuff that's what they made the nx01 like you know where everything's push buttons and levers and and i love those i love that attention to detail even though you know like in in the real world the 22nd century is probably going to be way more advanced than that but this isn't the star trek isn't the real world it's not our world you know but, um, you know, I just find writers just, you know, instead of trying to make it fit with, with our world, just accept that, you know, this is not our world. Anyway. And one, one thing I noticed, actually, guys, just to interrupt, um, yep. I think it was episode three of Picard season three. Um, Riker actually, well, they did the old man thing, of course, you know, well, between your back and my knees, you know, um, you know, and later in that episode, they get stuck in the bunk beds and Riker brought up the fact that, man, I got to go pee three or four times a night. I think that's probably the first and only time other than, you know, the, the whole concept of, you know, there's a, a washroom sink kind of thing on the Enterprise D yeah. that actually urination in the future actually still exists. <laughs> you know, a little bit past the three shells from Demolition Man, but you know, yep. uh, <laughs> it was a nice little twitch, a little, no, little twitch, nice little tidbit there that just popped in. And went, oh, that's probably the first time that's ever been actually recognized. Yeah, because although I, I, I did think during that joke, like they haven't cured prostate issues in the future. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. So yeah, I was also thinking that because like. In the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation, Dr. Crusher says they have a cure for the common cold, right? Like, nobody gets headaches or colds anymore. So it's like, yeah, wouldn't they have an answer for having to go pee in the middle of the night? Like, But at the same time, in Season 7 of Next Generation, there was that episode when everyone, like, de-evolved. I think it was called Genesis. But anyway, Picard leaves with Data in a shuttle to go retrieve a torpedo, so they're gone for like three days. And I remember thinking, even back then, I'm like, they're on a shuttle with no bathroom. How's Picard? You know, like, I understand Data doesn't have to piss, but what's Picard going to do? You know, I just assume that, you know, maybe there's a pill or something that you take where you don't have to go to the bathroom. You know? But, yeah. So, anyway... Um, 
Ragnar, was there was what what what's on your list for things you didn't like for season three? Um, other than stuff we've already discussed, yeah, I still don't fully understand how Worf came to be in a part of Section Thirty One, mm-hmm. and they sort of intimated that he was the leader of it because the last we saw of him in, in DS Nine. He was going to be the ambassador between the Federation and the Klingon Empire. Mm-hmm. And then for him to suddenly be like the head of the spy agency, that didn't make sense. And it it still doesn't make sense to me for his character. Spying is too dishonest of work for somebody like Worf to ever do. Agreed. And um, I thought, like, there's there's just no way that he would be a spy. So like it just it was that was so weird to me. I I to, like I just want to add and I totally agree, Ragnar. I will say, like I said, there was a book that they released when season one came out of Star Trek Picard, where you get the backstory of Picard leaving the Enterprise E. So what had happened after Nemesis is like when uh, Data died. Uh, yeah, Picard because Worf was still the ambassador to Kronos. And he asked Worf if he would consider staying on the Enterprise as his first officer because he needed one, because Data's gone now. And because Data died, Worf saw it as an act, you know, and he died heroically. Worf yeah. saw it as an act of honor for him to take Data's spot. Like, it, you know, so that was, so that's why he ended up being the first officer for Picard after Nemesis and then ultimately became captain of the Enterprise. And then at some point after whatever happened to the Enterprise E, Worf becomes part of Section Thirty One, and I was hoping when they when they you know introduced Section Thirty One, I really thought we were going to see Doctor Bashir as like the the director of Section Thirty One. Yeah, I mean they were hinting that. Cool. Yeah. yeah, like I was I was really expecting um, Alexander Sadig to show up. For at least a scene, you know, like a Tuvok type of yeah. scene, where he's, yeah. you know, like I only honestly thought when Raffi was like doing that communication thing with her handler, yeah. I thought that because I thought it would be Doctor Bashir. I, I absolutely thought her handler was going to be Doctor Bashir. Yeah, I I was so disappointed when the camera didn't pull away and there's Bashir giving her her orders. Yeah, yep. I thought that was another wasted opportunity. Yeah, and, but, it, and it could have just been a budget thing. I, I think it was. Metallus said, yeah, "I want to do this." Yeah. They said, "No, that's too expensive." Because I, I think he has been quoted as saying there was other things I wanted to do this season, but yeah. I just, I, I, we weren't, we couldn't do it either. It was a budget reason or scheduling, like they couldn't get yeah. certain people. So, um, so I just want to jump in here with the. Another plug for Star Trek Lower Decks, and the cool thing about them having an animated show mm-hmm. is that they can do all of those things. Yep. And it, and you know, yes, you have to pay the actor to get their their voice, but that can be done like over Skype. Like they can do that so cheaply. Yep. Mm-hmm. That it's not a huge cost constraint, and many of the old Star Trek cast are delighted to return, especially if all they have to do is say a couple of lines, you know, into a microphone. Yep. So they do stuff like that a lot in Lower Decks. 
you know, they're, they're able to go and do all of those things that you can't do in live action because of costs. So, yeah. So, yeah. But I do feel like that was a, another wasted opportunity. And it still doesn't make sense to me that Worf would end up involved in Section 31. It just didn't, didn't fit with the character. Yeah, I, I agree. And they... <laughs> Although I, I did enjoy how, as he's getting older, Worf is trying to be like, more about meditation and stuff like i thought that was great yeah however he also displayed some extreme acts of ultra violence so it was kind of like well this isn't totally consistent and it feels like you just did this for a joke but okay we'll allow it yeah mm-hmm. yeah um but i don't think i have any other major nitpicks that we haven't been over yet so um I- I, I will say one thing, talking about Worf, uh, something that I really, really liked was all the jokes that they would do with him. Because it wasn't at his expense, but it was funny. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, when, yeah. When, when they're on the Enterprise D, and he starts saying, well, actually, I prefer the weapon systems on the E. And, and then Troy just looks at him and is like, Worf? Oh, yeah, it Good job, Jordy. You know, I, I love that. Or when him yeah, and yeah. him and Riker are on the cube and Worf or he picks up the sword and like at first, well he hands the sword to Riker and at first Riker drops it because it's so heavy. And yeah. then, then he's like uh pulls a phaser out of the hilt and he's like, You've had this the whole time? And, and um I think his line was like swords are fun or something. I just I, I love that. Yeah. I I just but, love that. Okay, but but the Borg have that ability in their defenses to constantly adapt to any new weaponry. Yep. They've already encountered phasers, they've already encountered batlets and swords. Wouldn't their weapons be completely useless at this point? Yeah, but they've never adapted to them throughout the entire the movies and the, the show and stuff that yeah, swords seem to just be their their kryptonite. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's only yeah. it's only energy weapons that they can yeah. well, phase well, adapt to. Well, that and I think because the and uh, you know this is just my head cannon. I think because they were so weakened, like because you know like the the queen was like uh, like like that was it was cool but also like frightening to see her. Oh yeah, um, yeah. and she's basically surviving by. Kind of doing what the um, on Voyager those those aliens that like take other people's skin and stuff the Vidians that's kind of what she was doing she was cannibalizing her drones to stay alive yeah okay so yeah maybe they were just so weak and they couldn't yeah properly adapt and and I and I love the fact that you know they acknowledged well I think they acknowledged like the the Borger in their current state because of what Janeway did to them on the finale yep. of Voyager. Um, so I, re- I really mm-hmm. like that. that. And again, I think that's where we could have used Janeway. Like, I think, you know, it would have been nice to see her in here, but. Oh yeah. I, I still think that of all the cameo opportunities they missed out on that hers was probably the most significant. Yeah. yeah. Cause they, and they mentioned her enough times that I thought, Oh yeah, we're going to see her. You know, like they mention lots of characters once or twice, and you're like, "Well, okay, 
They're just, you know, continuity, building the world, etc. They mentioned her enough times, I thought for sure they were going to bring her in. Oh, yeah, I figured, yeah, she was going to show up on the, the finale or something. Yeah, um, I figured the last episode she'd, she'd show up, and I figured she it would start with, like, she's giving, like, the victory day or whatever it was speech. Like, I, I don't know. I thought for sure they were going to have her. Yeah, I thought, yeah, and then it turns out it was Shelby, and I was like, oh, okay. And then she got killed, so I was like, oh, kind of glad it wasn't oh, yeah. Janeway. But imagine if it had been Janeway and she got killed. Imagine the impact that would have had. That is true, but that would have been an actual punch to the gut. I think that would have. I think that would have outraged a lot of Voyager fans, though. I think Shelby's definitely the safer choice to to do away with. Um, But a couple fan service moments I wanted to throw out there. Um, I love the Fleet Museum. I love. Seeing yeah. like the Enterprise A is parked there, Voyager's parked there, the Defiant. The Defiant, the Defiant which, was there, which it's not actually because the original Defiant got destroyed, so it's just that one we saw in the last episode. Yeah, but still, yeah. It, it's it's kind of cool. Um, you know, the Bird of Prey right. from Star Trek Four. Yep. Um, yeah, that's right. I, that was I thought, cool. I thought that was fantastic, and then also um, on the beginning of the last episode when the president of the federation is sending out that audio call and it's actually yeah. walter koenig um yes. doing the voice yeah uh, that's right and playing his his, his son son his character yeah or son yeah. yeah and and the fact that his name is anton Chekhov because it's also mm-hmm. um yeah a kudos to to Anton Yelchin, who played Chekhov in the J.J. Abrams and, movies. And was fantastic as Chekhov. He yes. was. But, uh, yeah, sadly, he, he passed away, I want to say it was 2016, when he died. Um, yeah, he was, he was like 26 or something. He was super young. Oh, he was super young. Oh, yeah, he was young. And it's a shame, because I think he would have... He was in. A, he was in a couple other things, and I think he probably would have gone on to be a like a decent name actor. Yeah. Um. Yeah, in he actually did a movie with just before he died with Patrick Stewart, uh, called I think it's called The Green Room, where Patrick Stewart plays like a the head of like a neo Nazi group. Oh yeah, I never yeah. saw that, but I, I remember seeing the trailer and it looked good. That was actually a really good movie. Like it, it was actually kind of the ending got a little hokey, but. Everything leading up to it was pretty scary, um, in a real life scenario type of scary, uh, and cool. they were and they were both great in it. Um, you know, I never I need to check that out. What what's that? I need to check that out. Oh yeah, like yeah, definitely don't watch it with your. I don't know how old your kids are, but um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it's not a kid uh, friendly. They're, they're, probably, they're probably old enough. Yeah, probably. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of violence um, in that movie. Um, what else was there? Oh, yeah. Um, we're talking about Anton uh, y- Yelchin. Um, he was in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, like one of the earlier episodes, so like early 2000s. Oh, yeah. He, he was just a kid, like just a little kid. And uh, he was he was fantastic in that. But speaking of... of uh, actors uh from star trek picard uh that i've just recently seen in old stuff i was i'm re-watching um 
old seasons of Law and Order from the 90s. And this one guy comes on there, and I'm like, God, I know this guy. I can, you know, because there's a lot of famous actors that have been on Law and Order. And one of the things I love about rewatching Law and Order is seeing all these, you know, other actors that ended up becoming famous before they were famous. And one of them was t uh, Todd uh, Stashwick, who was Captain Shaw. He plays a character in Law and Order in the late 90s. Um, he wasn't like the bad guy or anything, but he was one of the guys getting questioned. And I'm like, God, that guy looks familiar. And then, it, then I did, I had to Google it cause, and then I'm like, holy crap, that's Captain Shaw. Like, you know, he looks so, like, I mean, he would, probably would have been like in his late teens, early twenties at that point. Um, and yeah, it was, I just, I just Googled it actually myself and that's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was, it was wow. really cool to see him. Um, and yeah, just, uh, uh, today I was watching an episode, um, you remember the episode of TNG where, where, uh, Jordy gets like infected and he becomes like, the, like that blue guy, that glowing blue alien yep. guy. Anyway, that, that actress who played like his old shipmate, that Lieutenant commander that comes on board, she was on an episode of Law and Order that I just watched today. Like, you know, there's so many Star Trek actors that have gone through that show. And just, like, other, you know, other actors um, that uh, at the time weren't famous, but are famous now. There's there's certainly there's certainly been a lot of Star Trek actors who have showed up in horror movies. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, and I think Star Trek is just generally known as, even though sometimes, sometimes when you watch... Star Trek, the acting seems wooden, but overall, Star Trek's been known very, very, very well, I guess, for a long time of, of casting really good actors who aren't yeah. big names. They've got a you know very long history of casting amazing talent. Yeah, and um, uh, Todd Stashwick, who played Shaw, um, he was in Calgary this year. And um, yep. I, I actually went and got his autograph just because I liked him so much in season three of Picard. I'm like, I'm going to go get that guy's autograph. And he was super, super I, nice. Yeah. I completely regret not meeting him. Yeah, super nice guy. <sighs> really nice. It's yeah. it's so hard when we're working shows, you know. It's so hard because it's like, I want to meet this person. I want to meet that person. I want to see this thing. Oh, but, like, this is my job. Yep. And yeah. unfortunately Calgary has got so many people milling around. Your job is oh, yeah. can I get there within the first hour of VIPs when it's quiet or maybe the last half hour of the show? Otherwise yeah. forget it. You're fighting you have bathroom breaks or getting us a little bit of food in you. Yeah. yeah, if you yeah, if you get to if you get to go pee more than three times a day, you're doing good. Now back in the old days though, Calgary Expo, I'm sure Ragnar remembers it, you'd run into guests in the hallways behind yep. the scenes. They'd come yeah. shop at your booth all the time. All the time. Peter Mayhew having a smoke out in the loading bay doors. I mean, we'd run into so many people. Like, almost getting run over by uh, uh, Brent Spiner and, uh, oh, shit, LaForge, uh, on a little golf cart behind the scenes in the, the back end of the uh, the BMO Center. It was hilarious. Spiner's <laughs> like, beep, beep. and like, oh, shit. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so good. 
Yeah, uh, but yeah, talking about uh, Stashwick, I, yeah, I happened to be walking by and, you know, there was like one person in line, like, because he was like, like, it was like towards the end of his signing, so I managed to just get in there, and and I told him, you know, like, season three was fantastic, uh, so, you know, best Star Trek since, you know, I told him that, best Star Trek since season four Enterprise, and he's like, thanks, man. Really appreciate it. And he shook my hand and everything. Like, really, really down-to-earth guy. That's uh, awesome. And and I was just seen on Twitter this last weekend. I think he's... Because he's hanging out with Jerry Ryan now, who played 7 of 9, of course. And he's getting her into playing D&D, I think. Um, I think I saw that on social media somewhere, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he yeah he's a, he's a, a, a geek's geek. Because I've seen him do interviews and stuff from his house, and he's got, like, lots of, you know, geeky stuff. So he was just, you know, so happy to, and appreciative to be in this show. And um, oh, it's just a shame they killed him off. Um, yeah. I, I would be, you know, like, if, if they do do a Star Trek Legacy show with, with, you know, with the Enterprise G and with, you know, 709 and Command and all that kind of stuff, I'd be perfectly okay if they said that he had a twin brother and he shows up. <laughs> I, I, you know, a lot of times I'd just roll my eyes and be, yeah, like like if you had like a Thomas Riker situation, I'd be like, okay. Oh, I was about to say that. Yeah. Yep, Lieutenant Riker, transporter accident, whoops. Yep. Um, I, I, I just wish we would they would have done something with him. Um, so anyway, okay, so my final question to you guys is, with this being the final season of Star Trek Picard, is there anything you wished that you would have seen them do this season that they didn't? Um, and I was just, Ooh. I just was going to say, I wish we would have got an answer about Thomas Riker. You know, did he die in that Cardassian prison? Is he still in that Cardassian prison? Did he get out? Like what happened to him? I just I that's one open ended thing from Deep Space Nine slash Star Trek that they never really touched on. You know, like Major Kira said, we're gonna get you out, and then but we never saw that. So I just wish we would have got some sort of answer. Um, but other than that. You know, I, I, I kind of wish they would... Like, I realize Wesley's like a traveler or something now. And we saw him at the end of season two. But I kind of wish we would have maybe seen him in a, at least a cameo this season. Um, especially considering his he's got a brother now. I'd, I'd kind of like to have seen that. Um, and also, all the scenes that they shot in that 10 forward bar in Los Angeles, and we didn't see Whoopi Goldberg at all this season, I, I just wish we could have seen her. Even if it was for, like, one line, one scene, I would have been okay with that. Well, I mean, considering they were hanging out in her bar, and they, they said that a number of times, I thought it was odd, especially at the very end of the last episode that we didn't. Yeah. And I'm... And I'm also, I'm kind of wondering, because they filmed this, it would have been, like, last year. It was, like, they filmed season two and season three, I think, back to back. And then, I think Whoopi Goldberg got herself in trouble for something she said on The View. 
if I remember correctly, yeah. like a year oh, or so. Okay. Like what I think when they were filming, so I think that's why they didn't have her on because they she was possibly being canceled, kind of like Roseanne, but she didn't. So maybe that's why she uh, wasn't on. Uh, but I really wish she would have been on. Uh, but that's it. That's kind of all I got. Uh, Jess, was there anything that you wish you would have seen this season but didn't? I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. Um, like I said, they pushed so much stuff oh, yeah. in the 10 yeah. episodes. It, yeah, it's hard to pick out one particular thing. Um. Yeah, I, I I think also I wanted to throw, add one thing that I because there was this big push about family and stuff. I really wish we would have seen Alexander, you know, in some capacity. Um, whether yeah. you know, even if it's just a throwaway line, like he, you know, he's, you know, at the academy or he's serving on a Klingon ship, just something, just to let us know that hey, he's still out there and. You know, I I got I kind of wish we would have got that, but I think I think I'd agree with you. Getting Will Wheaton just doing a little, you know, pop in, pop out, Q type action behind the scenes would have been kind of neat. Just to you know, have him leaning up against the wall. I did like knowing after the fact that he actually what went down and actually hung out on the set. Obviously not filming, but yeah, actually went down there as a you know a fan as a guy. You know was. You know, someone that was involved with the Next Generation series for, you know, the time that he did. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice to know that at least he was down on the set. So I think that kind of kind of made me a little bit happier knowing that, well, while his character wasn't technically in it, it should have been. I mean, God knows he probably just would have popped in. That's eh, my brother. <laughs> Neat to see it. Yeah. Um, or had done something quirky like, you know, he was serving drinks in Guinan's bar. You know, can I fill that up for you? There you go. Um but you know, overall, I've I've got real no real general complaints of season three. I'd love to see where they pick things up at. You know, it was a little frustrating not to know uh, seven of nines. You know, engage or make it so or you know punch it. Um, but you know, there's there's just so much that they can keep on. They would do a massive disservice and they would drop the ball hard if they didn't. Uh, reassemble the writing and directing crew. Mm-hmm. Um, if they if they gave that off to somebody and said, "Hey, do something neat," uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to see it go that direction. So if it had to end now, I'd rather see it end on a high note. Yeah, that's what's me. Yeah. Yep. Um, Ragnar, is there anything that uh, that you wanted to see but didn't get to see this season? I mean, there's a bajillion tie-ins to other shows that would have been amazing and would have been made would have made me happy but that's just like fan service yeah so i'm gonna just say it again the biggest thing that i think they could have done and should have done but didn't was have admiral janeway show up at some point mm-hmm. yeah i agree even just a little even just a little snippet i think i think that was something that i found missing that should have been there Mm-hmm. And and actually, I like I legit think that should have fit into the story, and not, I'm not just saying that because it would have been cool. Um, but overall, I think they did a great great job. Consider you know all things considered, considering they do have to keep it in canon with season one and two, like they have to keep it consistent there. 
mm-hmm. I think they did a very good job of fixing many as much as they could of the things we didn't like about seasons one and two. Yeah. And um no, no, I I I think in a ten episode thing with real world constraints, I don't think there's much else they could have added that that uh, wasn't there. Well, they did add one thing. We now know the Klingons can snore. Yeah, that was funny. I don't, I don't I'm not sure. I was, I was mixed reaction on that. Whether it was funny or just irritated by it, but there he is, just having a long, hard nap. I, uh, I definitely feel like Klingon snoring would probably be next level. <laughs> you betcha. I'm, you don't you don't want to split the hotel room with the Klingon if you don't have to. <laughs> uh, one thing I, I want to add to the happy part is going into that final episode. It could have been so easy for them to kill some some of them off, right? And I was really um, worried about that. Like like Worf, I I really <laughs> thought he was going to die there. Um, mm-hmm. but I I loved the fact that. You know, at the end of the day, they all survived, and and that's that. Um, and then to add to, um, you know, when I was talking about like seeing the Enterprise in all its glory, you know, fighting the Borg, I love you know the fact that Deanna took the helm, even though I hated that when she did that in Generations, but the fact that she was using her connection to Riker to find them. I thought was a stroke of genius and to- a total callback mm-hmm. to encounter at Firepoint when the, you know, when they could read each other's minds, but then they kind of dropped that. Um, I really felt, even though they didn't explicitly say in this episode, but when Riker's like, you know, I love you. I'm Zoddy, you know, my, you know, our son and I will be waiting for you. And then she like perks up and then realizes like she can find them. I almost mm-hmm. think she heard him. I really think that telepathic connection happened, even though they didn't say it, but I think that's what happened. And I love that little touch. Um, and like I said, you know, the fact that, you know, Dr. Crusher and everyone got to play a part. I like that, you know. Because um, I've heard people complain about TNG. Actually, um, uh, Ragnar, our buddy Jeff, we were talking about this yesterday and he was complaining that, you know, like when he, when he sees TNG on TV, if he sees it's a Dr. Crusher episode, he'll just not watch it. Uh, <laughs> and I, but oh, come on, Crusher's bones, a ghost. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> but, but the thing is, it's like, that's one of the things I liked about TNG was it was an ensemble. It wasn't like the original series where it was just Kirk, Spock and McCoy. And then all these other people that are there too it was like yeah. no everyone yeah gets gets us gets a, a chance to shine but you didn't really get that in the tng movies because they're movies they only got two hours to tell a story so the movies focused on picard and data and everyone else was kind of like there so i like the fact yeah, that like in this right. yeah. in this season like troy got to do some stuff uh dr crusher got to do some stuff you know, everyone got a part to play in this um, this series or this uh, season, and ultimately the final episode. I, I love that that they did that. Um, 
and yeah. Speaking, speaking, yeah. Oh, speaking sorry, final episodes, I'm kind of happy that it wasn't the E, actually, and in retrospect. Can you imagine the Mad Mule steering column from the E and Data <laughs> flying the thing to the board ship? Yeah. That, that would have been... That would have been too much. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... Like I said, I did not see the, them bringing back the D. I was just, just flabbergasted yeah. when they did that. I was I was so happy. Yeah. Um, Likewise. And, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, my final question to you guys is... The end of the, end of the show, you know, you get C7... Okay, so one nitpick I did have, real quick... I didn't really like the fact that they renamed it the Enterprise G. I kind of like if they would have just kept it the Titan. Um, but at the same time, yeah, going back and doing a rewatch, it is kind of neat to think that this is actually the Enterprise they're on the whole time. But I thought that mm -hmm. was a little bit too fan servicey. I I almost wish they would have just had a new ship called the Enterprise G. Um. But that being said, they set up this, uh, you know, Seven is the captain, Raffi is her first officer, um, you know, Jack is, you know, I guess some consultant or something, uh, and, and you know, they're going to be doing, you know, po potentially be doing a spinoff series with them. Is that something you would want to see? Would you be interested in that? For me... I, I absolutely. I, I think this. If it's the same people that are doing that did season three of Picard, doing a spinoff with these guys, I'd be all for it. Um, especially like that that scene with Q. I'm kind of interested to see where this goes. Um, I'd, I'd be happy about that. Uh, Jess, would you like to see uh, the spinoff? Yes, definitely. And you keep actually picking ideas into my head. It's kind of strange how synced up we are. Um, <laughs> the idea of continuing the story arc with Q. Q can do so much stuff. I mean, even at the last last few scenes, they're talking about, you know, how you're thinking. I can't remember the exact quote, but something to the tune of, you know, Q saying, oh, you're thinking too linear, too linear yeah. um, on a linear level. Um I mean, there's no reason why they can't be doing time jumps. You know, Picard going back to his old Starfleet days, you know, reliving that. There's yep. no reason why they can't do, you know, bring in Will Wheaton at that point of time, whether it was young Will or old Will. There's just so much stuff they can do with it. But I got to go back to the idea that if they if they give it to the wrong set of people and drop the ball. Yeah. Ugh, I, yeah. I don't want to see season one and two all over again where it's this fancy utopian you know fancy storyline that you know we just don't get into yeah agreed so if it's yeah. done right i'm all over it uh ragnar uh would you like to see a spinoff with the with these characters well i'm pretty skeptical because as a whole i haven't loved new star treks so i would certainly try it out but if i didn't immediately love it i wouldn't wouldn't push on unless somebody like you or Jess said, oh no, dude, you gotta watch it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, maybe, you know, yeah, like, I'd, I'd watch it, but there's other, there's other things I would campaign harder for. Yeah. Well, one thing, um, and I'm gonna give credit where credit's due, so there's a YouTuber named Dave Cullen, 
who does YouTube videos, and he and he was, uh, you know, doing uh, talks about Star Trek Picard season three. So one idea he had is so in the final episode, a number of Starfleet vessels are destroyed, right? Like when they're trying to oh, yeah. take over Earth and all that kind of stuff, and and you got the Enterprise D, it's operational. So anyway, he's his idea was, you know, there's, you know, they should have done a scene, you know, like post credits or whatever, where, you know, Riker, you know, Riker's brought back to the Enterprise D, and he's meeting with, you know, an admiral or somebody from Starfleet, and they're like, you know, we're we're short on ships right now. Um, and this, you know, the Enterprise D, you know, it's, it, it's, you know, still, still, uh, drivable. Would you be considered and consider taking command of her while we bring the fleet back up to, to operations? Mm-hmm. And then Riker would look at the chair and smile and say, I, I, I always wanted a, a shot at that chair. And then that would be where mm-hmm. it ends. So then you would yes. have... Admiral Riker that we saw in, um, you know, all good things, the older version of Riker in command of the Enterprise. So it kind of, hmm. t- it kind of ties into all good things. You could even throw a third yep. nacelle on there just to, you know, like maybe they, you know, they, they refit it for, you know, for fighting or whatever, but yeah. I just I yeah, I, yeah, I think I, like I think that. that would be spectacular to see the Enterprise D back in a show, even if it is just for a few seasons. I'd I'd be up for that. But yeah, when when he said that, I was like, yeah, that that sounds awesome. I would I would sooner see that than a, you know, legacy. You know, like the Enterprise G. I'd rather see the Enterprise D out there again, mm-hmm. but. But for a new generation, they'd probably want to see the G, you know. But anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be surprised if we see it again, yeah. I mean, it's there. It, it's, it's, you know, like Jordy said, it's it's good to go. So, yeah, maybe we will. But anyway, I think we can call this an episode. <clears throat> but before we go, let's play that little game of where we can find you on the internet. So, Jess... Uh, yes. Where, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, I'm all over the place. It's kind of weird, but uh, our main website is zoltangal.com. Z-O-L-T-A-N-G-A-L.com. Excellent. That's where you can find where we're heading to on the convention side of things. Uh, I'm trying to f- do a whole lot more focusing on news and tidbits rather than just solely e-commerce. Hmm. But we do fire some stuff up there for sale, and you know, it's just a fun thing to do. And, it's nice to have a business card, and people look at it sometimes. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Ragnar, where can we find you, sir? Well, uh, my main website, ragnarthetrader.com. I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Ragnar the Trader. And uh, this weekend, uh, I will be in Regina at the Mosaic Fe- um, Festival, which is like all the different cultural societies. I'll be at the Scottish and I am so excited that this is my last show for a little bit because I this is show number six in a yeah. row. It's been an insane spring, and uh, I am really looking forward to having a little bit of time off to uh, 
well, A, get caught up on stock, because I definitely am low on things, but B, to just, you know, enjoy the warm weather, and that would be really nice. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Ragnar, are you going to Calgary Horicon this year? Well, I'm I'm booked for it, but I uh, I got to say I'm leaning towards canceling it just because I'm yeah. needing a break. <laughs> no yeah, I'm going to be up at the Edmonton Collector Con on Sunday, June the 11th, selling oh, cool. a bunch of toys and a bunch of neat stuff, and then the Calgary Horror Con we bring out and we bust out all our our horror goodies and things that go creep and bump in the night. Nice. And then we've got a little bit of time off. So, yeah, Ragnar has been going overboard. I don't know how the heck he pulls it, but I think he's on the road. Well, it's, uh, it's been interesting. I'll just leave it at that. I'm old. My knees are bugging me just like Riker. <laughs> so, uh, so <laughs> Jess, are you going to Vulcan this year? Or? Uh, I typically don't get the invites. I don't think they really do much in terms of inviting people. It's more of a... Oh, Vulcan! I should go to their website and see what what's going on. Uh, we might. Okay. Um, I loved I loved the anniversary year, but since then it's just kind of a yeah. Uh, it seems like a Saturday night dance and have a, a, a couple chicken wings kind of thing and see some friendly faces. Yeah. So I mean, we, we might. Um, like I said before, I think when it started up, they don't tend to do a whole lot of licensed Star Trek merch, which has always bugged the heck out of me. Yeah. Finding old diamond uh, phasers and communicators are just a nightmare to find online. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes we'll show up with, you know, some sci-fi goodies and do our little thing, so we'll see. And and you'll be at Edmonton Expo in September? Oh, heck yeah. Okay. So I'll I'll, yep. I'll definitely see you there because I'm going to... Oh, I'm going to Volcon as well, but um, I'll de- I'm definitely mm-hmm. going to the Edmonton Expo, so I'll see both you and Ragnar there for sure. Um, yeah, if I don't if I don't see you before, I'll see you there. Well, I'll, I'll see you, Ragnar, at Animathon because I think you're going. Yeah, to I was that. gonna say I'm pretty sure you're coming to Animathon. Yeah, are, I'm there too. Oh, are you? Are you? Okay, okay great. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. I paid my bill yesterday. They're happy with me. I'm going. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'll see both of you because we, we got tickets for Sunday for Animathon, so I'll see you on that Sunday. Nice. That's good. We are the two booths that don't sell anime stuff. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I don't show up with Star Wars helmets, so you won't find Darth Vader helmets and and horror-type shirts and stuff down there. We tend to mix it up a little bit so we're not completely obscure, but yeah, yeah, we, we're not anime people. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, like, honestly, I'm just going because my daughter's huge into anime and, and manga. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah, it, yeah, it's a it's a it's a nice show. I I like going there. We went there oh, last I, year. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Odafest and Animathon are two of my favorite shows every year. I just love them. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, all right. Well, uh, I guess as I said before, we'll call this an episode. Oh, you can find me on wherever you get your podcast. Our next episode of the Pop Culture Pub is going to be kind of what I talked about earlier this episode where I saw Todd Stashwick on an old episode of Law & Order. Our topic is recognizing actors uh, before they were famous in in other stuff. And and the reason why I picked that topic is because I've been re-watching Law and & Order and, and it just amazes me seeing all these people that were not famous but are famous now on Law & Order. Um, yep. So that'll be coming up on this feed. So, yeah, on behalf of myself, Chris Lockhart, uh, Ragnar... 
and our friend Jess. I want to thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to Trek 1701. And this was our Star Trek Picard Season 3 discussion. And we will see you again in the not-too-distant future.